Hey. Thank you. Hallelujah. God is good, isn't he? Amen. Right, I'm going to go and get you to turn over with me to the book of Genesis, and then we'll get started in just a moment. It's good to see everybody here. You're so beautiful. I love this place. Amen. This is the first time we're able to bring our entire crew, all four of our children. Amen. Zayden back there, he's kind of laying down. He had his tonsils removed on Friday, so he's only two days out. So he told us last night, he said, I want to go tomorrow. So we said, we're going to bring the whole crew. Amen. So we have Zayla. Zayla, can you wave right there? She's going to be bashful and eat her donut. Zoe probably can't hear a word I'm saying. There you are. Can you wave to daddy? There you go. <laughs> and Zamar ran to the restroom with Elizabeth. But on the way here this morning, Zamar decided to get all choked up in the back seat of the car, and it made him him begin to spew. So in the back seat of the car, we had this entire mess all over Zamar. We get out on the side of the road. He's in his underwear by this point in the, on the side of the road. And we had to stop Academy and get him a little outfit. And I text pastor and said, he's puked everywhere, but we're on our way. So <laughs> it's the real life with four kids. Amen. So uh, we have something special this morning and I'm just going to get right into the words so we can go into what we're going to do. But um, uh, I wanted, we're going to, th- first of all, I want you to say the word impartation, say impartation. First of all, that word probably means nothing what we think it means because most of us, if we were in church in any length of time, we probably think that means someone's going to lay hands on me and they're going to give me some of what they got. That's probably what we have a concept of, maybe not exact definition, but, but if we have been in this in any length of time, that's probably a good good premise there. We get in every prayer line and we want every minister to lay hands on us because we're going to get their anointing or get to their gift and, and God's going to steal it from them and put it in me, right? That's our concept, right? Guess what? That's probably not reality. Amen. Because you have your gifts. I have my gifts and your gifts complement my gifts and my gifts complement your gifts. And that's what makes this a beautiful community and family of God. Amen. Matter of fact, the definition of impartation, according to Webster Dictionary, means to communicate knowledge or disclose knowledge to an individual. It doesn't mean about giving something of yourself to them. It means to revelation, a, a, a revelation of knowledge of something that is already there. How many of you know there's something already down in you? Amen. You don't need someone to give you a gift. God has already given you a gift. Somebody say amen. Amen. So I want us to get to understand that before we go any further. Also, a few weeks ago when I was here, I shared some scriptures out of Numbers chapter 11. And I preached them a little bit different, but I ended with something that I wanted you to remember. And it said that Moses, remember Moses was sick of people and he was sick of all the folks. And he was like, God, kill me and and take me away from here because I can't deal with all these church people anymore. They're on my nerves. And it said that God came. That's what he prayed. And Moses was the friend of God, but that's what he said. He said, do it quick, God. He said, kill me quick because I'm sick of it. And so... uh, it said that God came down from heaven and he stood in the tent of meeting. And it said that when Moses was standing there, it took the, he took the spirit from Moses and put it upon 70 elders, which 70 represents a generation, say generation. And just like those 70 represented a generation, Moses represented one, say one. 
That's why Deuteronomy says, Hero Israel, the Lord God is one. So, God, so Moses was not representing Moses. Moses was representing the one. And we see that God took from the one, say God, and he put it upon a generation, the entire people. So we see an impartation take place, but it wasn't Moses imparting into the people. It was God saying, I'm taking from myself and I'm putting on a people. Amen. Somebody say impartation. So God began to speak to me and he said, I want you to go back to the beginning. So let's, that's why we're in Genesis chapter 2. Verse number 7 says this. It says, the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. Now, before we go any further, I love to look at words. Words have meanings, amen. And meanings have revelation, amen. And revelation brings enlightenment. And enlightenment brings the ability to receive. Do you understand what I'm saying there? So it's not enough just to read the sentence, the Lord God formed man. But if we look at it, it's literally the Lord, the self-existing one, the eternal one. We're not talking about just anybody. We're talking about the ancient of days. Amen. We're talking about the great I am, the one who existed before the foundations of the earth, the one who had you on his mind before earth was ever created. You understand? We're talking about a powerful being that existed before everything else existed. That's a powerful God. Amen. So when Moses came to, to Pharaoh, when he said, I, the I am sent me, he was saying that the self-existing eternal creator of all of heaven and earth, the one who created every universe, every world, every galaxy, every being, alien, whatever you want to say, anything out there, he created it by and for himself. Amen. So it says the Lord God formed man. That literally means he took his hand and he squeezed on mankind. That word form literally means squeeze. So in other words, the hand of God is upon human beings. Amen. Because man was not speaking of gender here. It was speaking of human beings. So we see the self-existing God put his hand on a human race. Amen. Come on. That's beautiful right there. Just think about it. We're going to talk about impartation here. So he says he put his, uh, his hand on and formed the man from the dust of the ground. Uh -huh. Dust literally means clay. It means earth. It means even ashes. Do you know what ashes are? Ashes are the aftermath of something. Come on. Somebody, you know, you can probably relate to this. Many of us have ashes of our past. You understand? Ashes of our childhood. Ashes of things that have happened to us. But literally it's saying that God swooped up and he took the ashes. He put his hand even on our past. Come on. Because God can make everything beautiful. Do you understand? Ecclesiastes. Yes, it says everything becomes beautiful in its time. Amen. Oh, that's so good to know. That even your ashes can become something glorious. Come on. Even your pain and your sorrow can become something magnificent. Amen. Even your desert, your darkest hour, God says, I can make it bloom right here and it become a beautiful spring of living water. Amen. See, nothing is so impossible for God that it can't be something glorious that he can use for his glory and his honor. Amen. So we, I want you to understand God's hand is upon you and I. Amen. So don't think I'm going to come lay hands on you in a minute. Amen. We're going to hear God's hand is upon you. Amen. Somebody say God's hand is upon me. 
So it says God took and he formed him out of the dust of the ground and he breathed. Literally that word in Hebrew means it means puff or to inflate or to blow hard or even to kindle. Come on. So literally what God was doing is he was kindling something in a lifeless vessel that was laying on the ground before him. And so it says he breathed into the nostrils. Somebody say nostrils. See, if we were just to read that, we would think those were holes in our head. But literally in Hebrew, nostril has two meanings. It means face. So we see God is in the face of a human being. And it means to breathe rapidly with passion. Come on. So this is what I began to see. I didn't just see God bend down and begin to blow into the nostril of Adam. But he got into the face of the one that he loved. And it made him beat rapidly, begin to breathe rapidly with passion. As he looked at Adam and said, I'm about to put myself into this vessel right here. Come on, that's glorious right there. See, God is not this God that we think of that sits in heaven in judgment. But in reality, he's looking at us and he's going, I have poured my very breath into this vessel. I have put my identity into these earthen vessels. Oh, that's beautiful. Amen. Oh, come on. That's impartation right there. So he said he breathed into the nostrils the breath of the spirit of life. The spirit is the Ruach. Someone say Ruach. Now, I'm just setting a foundation right here. Ruach is literally the life. He put life into man that day. And it says that he became a living being. And maybe the King James may have even said the soul. The soul began to live. So we see, I just want you to see real quick. So God takes a clay vessel and he looks at it in the face and he begins to get all passionate and excited about it. And all of a sudden he inhales and he breathes into that vessel and it becomes a living soul. In Hebrew, it becomes a nephesh. A living creature is what that means. So literally, it took on the identity of the one that put itself into him. Do you understand? Whenever we became nephesh, we became a living creature. We took on the identity of the one who blew life into us. That's beautiful. See, we think about DNA. It was the breath, and all of a sudden, Adam... He was a, if you looked at him, he looked like a man. He had arms, he had feet, he had toes, he had hair. He, he, he was a creature. He was a living being, but there was something missing down inside of him. And God says, this is the most vital thing. I'm going to look at this man in his face and I'm going to breathe. I'm going to kindle something inside of him. And it's going to cause him to begin to respond like I respond. I'm going to put my very breath down in Adam, say impartation. Amen. So now if you'll go over to uh, uh, Isaiah chapter uh, 61, I'm sorry. So we see God breathe into Adam. And let's go into the New Testament real quick. You don't have to go there, but you can jot down. 2 Corinthians 4 and 7 says, However, we possess these precious treasure in frail human vessels of earth. Now we see Adam, remember? Adam was a frail human vessel of earth. He was just an empty vessel of earth. And it says, And the grandeur and the exceeding greatness of the power may be shown from God and not ourselves. In other words, what the writer was saying here is he was saying inside of every living being, there are treasures down inside of you. And they were not given by a man or a woman, but they were put inside of you before the foundations of the earth. When God breathed into Adam that day, Adam was the one of many. He was the first fruit. Do you understand? He was the first of, the, of, of humankind. And so when God breathed into the Adam, he was prophetically already breathing into you. Come on. 
He was already prophetically breathing into you. He was already prophetically breathing gifts and putting talents and putting charisma and putting wisdom and putting words of knowledge. And maybe they had not been yet activated, say activated, but they were already down inside of you. You were thinking, but I didn't even exist. You did exist. You existed in the heart and the mind of God in another sphere. Amen. When you, when your mother gave birth to you, she brought you into the earth realm. Do you understand? You were already in the heart of God because you were before the foundations of the world. Because Jeremiah says, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I already knew who you were. You already existed to me. You already had a name to me. You already had an identity to me. You already had substance to me. I already saw you for your end and not even your beginning. That's what he said in Jeremiah. He said, he said, I saw what you were going to be prior to you even being a little clump of cells. Come on. Before you were intricately woven into your mother's womb, I already knew you by the spirit. Amen. Because I already called you Naphesh, a living soul. Amen. So we see over in Isaiah 61, some of my favorite scriptures of all times. It says the spirit, say the spirit. That is the Ruach. The Ruach of the Lord God is upon who? Me. Amen. See, we can get mixed up following spiritual uh, 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 leaders and following ministers and following prophets and following pastors and following evangelists and saying the Spirit of God is upon them. And yes, 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 He is. Amen. But ultimately, we need to realize there's the Spirit of God that is down inside of you and I. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead dwells in you. Come on. The same power that looked at a Red Sea and the Red Sea split up and stood on its side and they walked across on dry ground. That same breath that blew that sea apart is breathing inside of you right now. Because it's the same breath that God breathed into Adam. It's in me. Say, it's in me. So it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Come on. Because the Lord has anointed. Someone say anointed. I love the word anointed because it means to smear or to paint. And I think God is very artistic. Do you agree with me? And God has already painted a beautiful picture. We can see these paintings and there an artist took time to begin to take the brush stroke and took, he took value or she took value and she looked at, or he looked at that, that, that blank canvas and said, I see something valuable in it. And God is saying the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he took time to paint you into existence. Come on. He took time to take, the br- take his brush and begin to dip it in the colors of his heart and the colors of his mind and his own creativity. And he painted you and I into existence. Wow. You are not just something that it came into a being. You were planned from the foundations of the world. Come on. Some of you think, oh, yeah, I wasn't planned. My mama, maybe mama and daddy did not plan you and I, but God himself, the self-existing eternal creator of all of mankind and all of the universe planned you and I for such a time as this. Amen. And he was so sure that your destiny would be a yes and amen that he went ahead and put the gifts in you before you even got here. Come on. He was so sure that you were going to be what you were created to be that he said, I'm going to go ahead and put my gifts. I'm going to go ahead and put gifts in them now before they even arrive on the earth. Come on. 
Oh, I'm going to show you something. Amen. I want you to think about it this way. I got to go there now. Think about it this way. There was a woman in the New Testament by the name of Elizabeth. Elizabeth was an old woman and she had never given birth to a child. You know the story. And God came to Zechariah, her husband, the priest, and said uh, that I'm going to give you a, a child and you're going to call his name John. Do you know the story, right? And so Elizabeth, here she is. She gets pregnant at an old age. Amen. And this thing begins to, this, this gift, this from God, begins to grow down inside of her. But if you study commentaries, it says that even though it grew, she never felt that baby move. It was never a reality that there was something moving down inside of her. Yes, it was that she had something in her, but she didn't know whether that something was alive or not. Come on. See, you know by the Spirit, if, you have, if you're tapped in at all to God, that He has put something down inside of each one of you. Come on. The reality is you, you know there is something down in me. I can't put my finger on it. I don't feel it right now. I don't feel it moving. I don't see it. I don't see the fruit of what's in me except the big belt. But then something happened. And it said that Mary was told by an angel, your cousin is already pregnant with child now. And it said that Mary left the place that she was and she ran to Elizabeth. Do you remember the story? And what happened when she came and Elizabeth saw Mary? Not when Mary laid her hands on her. Come on. Not when Mary imparted and said, I impart gifts of the Holy Spirit. I give you the gift of healing. I give you the gift of prophecy. But she came in bearing her gift that was down in her. Come on. Mary had already had a deposit because the angel of the Lord hovered over her and put the king of the world down inside of her. She already had her own gift in her. So when she came near to Elizabeth, all of a sudden Elizabeth went, oh, wait a minute. Something's happening down in me. Something became activated. All of a sudden, she received impartation, if you will. Not that she received something, but she got knowledge that something was down in her. Because remember, impartation does not mean to receive something. It means to get knowledge that something already exists. Come on. So all of a sudden, Elizabeth said... This baby down inside of me has leaped down inside of me. For the first time in six months, I've been carrying this thing. But all of a sudden, now the reality that there's a gift down in me has come alive. Come on. Oh, Jesus. So, so when Isaiah says here, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he is anointed. He has painted my life. He has qualified me. Somebody say I'm qualified. Come on. I'm telling you the world may say we're not qualified, but I'm here to tell you, you are qualified. And do you know why you're qualified? Because the spirit of the Lord is upon you. Come on. The spirit of the great I am is down inside of you. When he breathed into Adam, remember, he breathed into you. He put himself inside of you. Come on. So Isaiah says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. For he's anointed me and he's qualified me. This is the Amplified. And it goes on to say, he says, to preach the gospel. Somebody say, preach the gospel. That phrase in Hebrew means, it means to be fresh, to be relevant. I have something fresh down inside of me. I have something relevant inside of me. I have something in me that's going to make somebody else Elizabeth jump. Come on. 
There's a gift down inside of you that when you get in the presence of, of Elizabeth, who feels a, a something dead down inside of her. Thank you, baby girl. You are so sweet. Thank you so much. <laughs> There's something down inside of you that when you get in the presence of that Elizabeth, that will cause that gift to begin to leap down inside of others. Come on. See, that's what impartation is. That's the beauty of impartation. That it's not you receiving from me, but it's that you and I begin to activate one another. Come on. That my gift begins to cause your gift to jump. And your gift begins to make my gift jump. And before long, we're walking out in the highways and the byways. And we're not even having to speak a word. But they begin to feel something kicking. Come on. They begin to feel something coming alive. Anybody ever seen The Greatest Show? Now, tell me, you guys are some, I'm going to have to rebuke you now. You haven't seen the greatest show about the circus? <sighs> Come on, the greatest showman, that's what it is, sorry. It's good stuff, amen. Come alive. What's the song? What's the lyrics of the song? What's the words? Somebody. What's the words? Come alive. In other words, that thing that is down inside of you, it's there. It's just maybe sleeping. It may feel dormant at the time, but it's awakening. Amen. So Isaiah says, the spirit of the Lord God's upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel. And not just to any gospel, but he's anointed me with, uh, with good tidings to the meek, to the poor, to the afflicted. He has sent me. Come on. <laughs> oh, he's sending the pastor. No, he sent you. He sent me. Come on. He's put his hand, his spirit down in us. And he said, I've sent you to the meek, to the poor, to bind up, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom. Amen. Freedom. See, the other, they just need to know there's freedom. It's available. It's already there. It's not some 12 steps that you got to go through and puke in a trash can to be free. You just need to have the declaration, freedom. You're laughing at me. I don't do puke, by the way, too much. You got that thing manifesting? You better swallow it. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> so do something with it, but don't puke it on me. Amen. So he says, he sent me to, to bind up, to heal, to proclaim liberty to the physical and the spiritual captives, the opening of the prison and the eyes of those who are bound. In other words, that they might have revelation. He anointed me so that I could bring revelation to someone else that they're anointed to. Come on. See, this isn't just a one-man show, a one-woman show that says, I carry all the anointing and it flows from me to the people. Right? That's hierarchy. That's mis misinterpretation of Psalms 133 that says the anointing flows from the head. We, I'm not the head. He's not the head. She's not the head. You're not the head. We have one head in Ephesians said he's the supreme head of the body of Christ. He is the supreme head of the church. His name is Yeshua. His name is Jesus. He's the head. The anointing flows from him, not me. Come on. Oh, Jesus. So he says, I put the spirit down in you so that spirit inside of you could awaken the spirit down inside of them. And he says, verse two, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the year of favor, the day of vengeance of our God to comfort. Someone say comfort. Guess what the word comfort means in Hebrew. Somebody take a guess. It means to breathe. <laughs> to comfort means to blow. 
Isaiah 43 says, comfort all those who mourn in Zion. Breathe fresh breath into their lungs. Let them breathe. Breathe the Ruach of the Holy Spirit of God. Come on. See, it's all a concept. Genesis 2 and 7. He went into man and man became a nephesh, a breathing creature. And he says, now you with your breath go onto those that are, come on. There's something to that breath that God put in us. You know what? I remember, I probably have shared this before. I remember being in a vision one time and, uh, and I was in heaven, whether you believe it or not, whether in the body or not, I can't tell you, but whatever it happened, amen, is all I can tell you. And everything was swaying and it was moving to, to a rhythm and I found out later it was the heart of God. But I realized when I was in that vision that there was no air that you and I would think of. It wasn't like air that we have here. It was literally the glory of God. And when God breathed into Adam, he didn't just breathe uh, oxygen into Adam. He breathed the Ruach, the glory of God down inside of him. See, there's something. That's why Paul said there are treasures in earthen vessels. It's not just air. Air is everywhere. There are treasures. Come on. Oh, Jesus. So he says, comfort all those who mourn, or comfort all those uh, uh, who mourn. Proclaim the acceptable year. Verse number three says, to grant consolation and joy to those who mourn in Zion. To give them an ornament of garland of, of beauty instead of ashes, instead of ashes, instead of ashes, instead of ashes, instead of what lays in waste, come on, instead of where they've been, come on. He said, comfort, breathe life into them that they may know there's a future, amen. So he says, uh, uh, is oil of joy instead of mourning. And he says, uh, a praise instead of a heavy burden and a failing spirit, a failing spirit. Very important. Failing means a feeble spirit, a feeble Ruach. Remember, it's the same word, Hebrew word. So God breathed into Adam, the Ruach of God. We became nephesh living beings that breathe as well. And he said, somewhere along the way, we become and have feeble Ruach. In other words, we've allowed something, life, circumstances to begin to, to, to get on top of the very Ruach of God that he put down inside of us. And he says, but whenever you breathe and you comfort those who are mourning, he said, it's going to awaken their feeble Ruach down inside of them. Some of you in this room may have a feeble Ruach. Now, does that make sense? A feeble spirit, a, a failing spirit. But God says the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He's upon you. So that we can, we can breathe on one another and that spirit can come alive. Say, come alive. He said that they may be called oaks of righteousness. Look at somebody and say, you're stronger than you think you are. Come on, you are stronger than you think you are. And he says, uh, oaks of righteousness, lawfully strong, magnificent, distinguished for their uprightness and right standing with God. The planting of the Lord. And this is the reason why. That he may be glorified. So why does he want us to impart to one another? That he may be glorified. And remember, impartation has nothing to do with me giving you my gifts. You get your own. You got your own. Amen. Get your own quesadilla. What's that movie? Napoleon Dynamite. Has anybody ever seen that stupid, stupid movie? <laughs> 
so stupid that you want to watch it again because it's, you know, that level of, of I don't have to think, you know, you can be brain dead and watch it. <laughs> Get your own quesadilla, amen. Get your own gift, amen. You got a gift down inside of you. You don't need a prophet or a pastor or an evangelist to come rub oil on you for you to be gifted. It's already down in you. Every good thing that God has planned for you has been there since the foundation of the world. Come on. Oh, he gave me a new gift. No, he did not. It's already been there. Gifts may open. Come on. They may be open and the revelation of them may become more aware. How many of you know that it'd be like this? It's the Christmas season, right? So you got all these gifts tree and you got tons of gifts underneath it and you go those are so beautiful those gifts are so awesome don't touch them the wrapping paper is perfect the bow is perfect don't open that gift it's just to look at come on that's you and I I got it together I don't need to touch anything down in there it may make everything fall apart you know if I start moving those you ever moved one gift out underneath the tree and it's like Everything just starts going crazy. It was like Jenga putting it in there, you know. But if we just look at those gifts, God's going, open it. Get messy. Come on. Tear the paper off of it. Let me breathe a fresh wind of my spirit and rip open those gifts that it may be revealed to you. Come on. Oh, Jesus. Quick little thing, and then I'm going to go to one verse, and we're going to do something. Amen. The Bible teaches us in the New Testament, starting in Romans chapter 12, and you don't have to go there, you can jot it down, that there are seven gifts of the Father. A lot of us just think there are nine gifts of the Spirit found in uh, Ephesians, and there are nine gifts of the Spirit. But literally, each God is a, is a multifaceted God. Do you understand? He, he, he demonstrates himself in Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus even said, why do you ask to see the Father? For when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He demonstrates himself on multi-levels. Amen? So in Romans chapter uh, 12, verses 3 through 8, you can jot it down, go read it later. He gave us seven gifts of the Father. These are gifts that were down inside of you from the moment and the foundation of your very creation in his mind. Amen. These are gifts. I'm going to quickly go over them. Prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, mercy, or compassion. And then Jesus left us five more gifts because he said, I'm not going to leave the earth without giving a gift to the earth. And so in Ephesians chapter four, it said he gave some apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. These are not titles. Just so we know. These are gifts. Come on. They're not titles. We don't need any more titles in our life. Please, Jesus, help me. Amen. I get nervous and they even call me Mr. Hilton. That sounds like I'm almost dead right there. So now we have seven gifts of the Father. Interesting, the number seven is the perfect number of God. You think God just happens to plan every detail, right? There are five gifts of the Son. That five is the number of grace. Come on. And so Jesus came and he what? He And he said, I'm going to leave you grace gifts of the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. So now we have seven plus five equals what? 
Twelve is the number of the apostolic. Come on. In other words, there's two realms of government. There's an earthly realm, which is defined by the number 10. And there's a heavenly rule of government, which is the number 12. Come on. So everything in its fullness right there. And seven plus five was That developed an apostolic government upon the earth. That developed a heavenly kingdom upon the earth. That was his way of saying, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. I have given you the fullness. Come on. But then he said, I don't want to just give you enough. I want to give you more than enough. So then he took us over to Ephesians chapter, I'm sorry, second, uh, first Corinthians chapter 12. And he gave us what we all know of as the nine gifts of the spirit. So now we already have the fullness by seven and five equaling 12. I hope this is not too deep for you. He said, I'm going to now cause you to overflow with nine. Nine happens to be the number of overflow. Full term, right? Now, interesting enough, remember the seven gifts of the father. There was prophecy, ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, and mercy. The five gifts of the son, apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, teacher, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Listen to this very closely. Wisdom, knowledge, discerning of spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy. Did you see a theme right there? Faith, working of miracles and healing in all three level of gifts. I shouldn't say level in all three category of gifts. There's one common denominator prophecy. Did you catch that? It intertwines. It brings all of those gifts into a place of being able to be, uh, 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 what's the word? To be able to uh, uh, get those things. What was the word you meant? Function. It causes those, those gifts to be able to function. And it's not about someone coming and saying, I'm a It's saying that 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 gift of prophecy, that gift of declaring the word of the Lord, it is the gift of knowledge. It's the gift of revealing knowledge. It literally is impartation. Do you understand? Because the definition of impartation is to communicate knowledge. Come on. That is what the work of the spirit of prophecy does. All of a sudden, if, you, if the spirit of prophecy comes upon someone and they begin to say, thus says the Lord, whatever, you know? Does that make them a prophet? No, the spirit of prophecy is made a prophet, right? Well, gifts of the Father, prophecy, maybe this inherent thing that said, you are just so talented. There's just something so good about you. There's, it's just in you to begin to exhort and to begin to encourage someone and to begin to awaken, uh, to bring revelation. You are so, you're just whatever, you're a smart one, whatever it is, you know? And then there's that, what we call the office, which he never said they were offices either. He never said they were titles. He just said another gift of that, that prophet that brings that Old Testament seer and that New Testament revelation. And it brings all of those 21 gifts together. Now he could have stopped with 12, remember, because 12 established an apostolic kingdom. But he said, I want you to overflow into 21, 21, 21. Has anyone ever been in the military in this room? Any, any ex-military, former military? Well, anybody just know military? What do they do when they salute? Come on. 21. God so destined everything. He's like, I want to give my people the ultimate salute. And I'm not going to just give them the heavenly apostolic. I'm going to salute them and honor them with gifts. 
because I'm a good father who gives good gifts to those he loves. So how did he give the first gift? Genesis chapter 2, he breathed it in. Isaiah chapter 61, how did he tell us to awaken the failing gifts? Comfort those who mourn. Is you see a theme here? There's something. He said that gift is your breath inside of you. I've mentioned this before. Breath is the name of God. Do you understand when we go into, whenever the priests would go into the Holy of Holies, they would say the name of God. It was not saying Yahweh, Jesus. It wasn't saying Jehovah. They were breathing four syllables. They were breathing the name of God. And that's why I've said it last time I was here. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. In, in, in Hebrew, it says, Shema Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Echad means breath. The name of God is the breath. As you breathe, you're declaring the name of God. So when he breathed into Adam, he put his identity in them. And whenever Isaiah said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, he was saying, the identity of God is down in me. And he says, I'm going to take the identity of God and I'm going to breathe it on others. And it's going to cause their failing spirits to come alive. Say, come alive. And then Jesus, in his wonderfulness, in John chapter 20, said, I'm going to show you one more time. John chapter 20, this is what happens. Jesus had appeared to the disciples. They didn't believe it was him. He showed them his scars. And in verse 20, it says, then he showed them the wounds of his hands and his side, and they were overjoyed to see with their own eyes. This is the Passion Translation. We should be excited to see them, Jesus. We should be excited to see God. You understand? To see the living, the living one. And it said, Jesus repeated his greeting and said, peace, shalom to you. And he told them, just as the father has sent me, I now, someone say now, not when you get your life together, not when you get holy enough for some man to say you're holy enough. Come on. You might as well say amen. Church people can be vicious. You're not quite there yet. We're not going to let you be. Come on. I fell for this stuff. I mean, come on. I think about it now thinking, how did I fall for that? He said, I'm now sending you. I'm now sending you. I'm not waiting for any man or any woman to come tell you that it's your time. It's your time. Somebody say, it's my time. He said, I'm now sending you. Then, oh, this is what he did. I love the passion. It says, then Jesus took a deep breath. Can you just see? And he said, he, he blew on them and they received the Holy Ruach. Guess what the Greek word received is there. They were activated with the Holy Ruach. In other words, he didn't give them something. What was already there became active. Say impartation. He breathed on them. And then all of a sudden. That thing that was already there. Came alive. So in a minute. I'm going to pray. Whether I lay hands on you or not. It doesn't even matter. Come on. I want to bring you the knowledge. That you already have a good gift down inside of you. I want to bring you, I want to communicate somehow. I may not be the most articulate person. I may say things a little unspiritual, whatever. But if I can communicate to you, to you watching, to each one of you, you've got good gifts. The breath of my father is inside of you. 
The breath of the eternal self-existing God is down inside of you and you and you and you. And you may feel like you have a failing spirit at the moment. But I've come to just be the, 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 the obedience, uh, just be obedient to God and just breathe life. You think about when we give someone CPR. We're just awakening what's already been down in them. Come on. That it may seem like it's left their body, but as we begin to bring it together, it causes things to begin to happen. Amen. So uh, you, you got some music ready?